Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. When you come to the end of yourself, that's the beginning of God's strength. We've got Jordan Humbarger with us, a good friend of ours, the young adults pastor at Engedi Church. Jordan, it's good to have you back, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, Perry, Shauna. Glad to be back. I consider you guys like family now. We've been hanging a few times, so this yeah. is our family reunion today. I'm go. looking forward to it. It is. I appreciate you wearing those loud colors that you have on right now <laughs> and all the new tattoos that you have just for us. Yeah, just for you guys. I'm so glad you noticed. <laughs> so want to talk about going to that place that we would never choose on our own to go and how hard it is to to go to that place where we're not in control anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's an amazing story in Luke 5, 1 through 8, that you could tee this up for us if you want to read that. Yeah, it starts with one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Mm -hmm. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's so powerful, you know, just looking at the first part of this. They fished all night. They were professional fishermen. They caught nothing and they washed their nets. They were done. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said they weren't done. And so there are times in my life when I think I'm done, but Jesus says, you're not done. You're just beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I can't really relate to fishermen in that regard, but I I have fished a couple times in the seafood section of Meyer on 16th Street. So I have that skill in my, in my pocket, but I do relate to the fact of being done of being done. Mm. And I think there's some times in life where you need to be done. You know, there are seasons and decisions, it's we're done. But other times we've decided we're done and God says, no, Mm. I want you to go deeper. And you really have to, you really have to look inward at the Holy Spirit's voice during those seasons um, to, to decide whether or not is God calling you to be done or are you just done because you don't think you're good enough anymore or you've disqualified yourself in some way. Mm. And I remember doing that back in Bible college I remember it was my sophomore year and I just felt like I wasn't holy enough. I didn't know the scriptures enough. I didn't know enough pastors. I wasn't pastory enough, whatever you could call it. I just felt like I wasn't. And I remember wanting to quit. And one of my one of my professors encouraged me and just reminded me of the call of God on my life that he saw. And I was doing homework one time, just just crying, like, I can't do this. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through this. And I remember Holy Spirit reminded me of his voice, saying, Jordan, you've been called to this. Mm-hmm. I've equipped you, I've empowered you, you can do this. I'm with you. And if that professor hadn't been obedient to the voice of the Lord in that moment to encourage me, I don't know if in that you know, private session late at night when I was procrastinating my homework for like that thousandth time, I would have, I would have probably been like, yeah, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. But, uh, 
I felt like the Lord was saying, no, go deeper. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad I did because I finished out. And, you know, here I am still today serving in pastoral ministries and just so grateful to the Lord that God decides to use me in this way. So, yeah, I that just brings back to mind a story in my life when we were actually moving from Arizona to Michigan. They had called us. My husband's a pastor. And so they'd called us to the church to kind of. I mean, this is, he'd been through quite a a bit of the process and they got to the point where they bring the whole family out and we're looking at school systems for the kids and looking for houses to buy. I mean, we're pretty far along in the process and we flew from Arizona to here. We landed in Grand Rapids, made the drive from the Grand Rapids airport to this little Cobb Lake area in the Gun Lake area. And we get inside the cottage and the kids go down to play. Dan's like, oh, my husband said, I'll take them down to the water. They were just dying to dive into the water. And and they were little at this point. And I was in the cottage by myself and I found myself kind of freaking out. Like, what are you doing? Bringing your whole, you've got a, you've got a life in Arizona. You've got a house that you love. You've got friends that you love. You've got all this stuff going on. Like, what are you doing? Bringing your family here. You're not going to move here. You're not going to up your whole life. And you're just wasting these people's time. And it just, this whole freak out thing is happening. And I felt the Lord interrupt my freak out and say, I know the plans I have for you. Mm. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I was like, I was, that verse always seems like one of those, you know, it seems like something that should be on a pillow. You know, it's just this soft <laughs> verse. That or in your living room up on the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that just encourages. But for me, it was so corrective that the Lord was saying, no, I am I am doing something and I am up to something and, and don't quit now. I got something for you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that's good. There's somebody right now listening and they feel like the Lord's calling them into the deep and mm-hmm. they'd rather stay in the shallow. Mm-hmm. What is it about, can you talk to them, what is it about the deep that will be helpful for them to to go into? Yeah, yeah. In the text, you know, Jesus was preaching from the shores, but he got into the boat and called Simon and the fishermen to go into the deep because that's where the blessing was. And there are certain blessings of God we only experience in the deep on the other side of where we thought we were done, on the other side of where we thought, oh, I can't go on anymore. And yet God has a blessing for us on the other side when we're obedient to his voice to go deeper when he says, no, I'm not done with you yet. No, I'm not finished with you yet. No, there is more for you. And the disciples, especially Simon, he washed his nets. He was done. He said, I'm done with this. There is no possible way anything else could happen. And yet Jesus said otherwise. He says, no, I have a blessing for you. And if you'd be willing to believe and have some faith to go deeper, you'll see what it is. And we saw that later on in the story, what that was. And I would just encourage anybody listening, um, if you've decided you're done, you feel like, no, I can't go this anymore. I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord, are you calling me deeper? Because if you're calling me deeper, I know you're going to meet me on the other side. Personally, when I'm at the place, Jordan, where stuff is hard and I'm uncomfortable, I want out of that place. And what I'm hearing you say is that might be a place where God is saying, don't jump ship, Shauna. Like, I'm doing, I want to do something deeper. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes God can say that. And it it feels like it doesn't make sense because we're so used to things when they're hard or uncomfortable or add some stress to us. We think immediately, oh, no, no, bad, bad, bad. Got to get out, got to get out. Mm -hmm. But I really do think sometimes, even according to this text, God will keep you in that place because he's like, no, I don't want to get you out. 
I want to get you through. Mm. And when you go through this thing with me, you're going to learn something so beautiful and precious and good that you could only experience while going through it with me instead of always trying to get out. And sometimes God doesn't want to remove it. He wants to reveal himself through it. And that's what he was teaching the disciples here. That is so encouraging to me because so many times in my life I've been there. And in some ways I'm there right now because I just, there's just a lot of moving parts that are stressful in my life. Some good things, some hard things. And I just, I'm, I've often been feeling lately overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I want to tap out. I want something easier. But what you're saying just encourages me that this is where God has me and he's, he's got something good for me. Yeah, amen. Yeah, sometimes we jump ship a little too early, like you guys were saying, and uh, the blessings of God are also found in the deep. And Jordan, I, th- I, think, that, I think that what you said is like 100% tweetable, and I need to hold on to it, but like God doesn't want to get me out. He wants to get me through. He said, because you say so, I will let my nets down into the deep. Let's talk about that. The times when God calls us to do stuff that on our intelligence, on our, you know, experience, our background, it doesn't make any sense at all. And yet God says so. Yeah, he does. He does. Peter said, Master, we worked hard all night. He's like, it doesn't make sense. And I could imagine some of what Peter's doing, a little theological imagination here. Like, Jesus, thanks for that encouraging word, but you know about faith. I know about fish. Let's keep this to the professionals. (laughs) And yet Jesus says, but go out into the deep and throw out your nets for a catch. And he goes, okay, because you say so. That because you say so Mm -hmm. moment, I think is so powerful. It begs the question, do we have the humility in heart that if God says something, our response would be, okay, Lord, it doesn't make sense, but because you say so. And that takes humility to be in that place. And I'm I'm watching my my son who's two and a half, and I'm having some because I said so moments with him. <laughs> he he thinks he is the professional at what what he should be eating. He thinks he knows best at times. Maybe we'll have these little these little arguments, I guess you could call it, at dinner time where you know, he's like, I want a popsicle. I'm like, son, you can't eat a popsicle for dinner. You already had one. You can't have chocolate milk for the third time today. And why, Dad? Why? Why? And then I just have to lay down it and say what our Lord said, because I said so. Right. That's why. Because yeah. I know something you don't. That's and this right. is good and better for you if you would do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he'll throw a little hissy fit, but sure enough, he does it and he's good. So, Did you ever think you'd become the person who said, because I said so? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know my mom used to say that to me all the time when I was younger, and I would just get so upset about it, like, I'm never going to say that. And here I am on the other side saying the very thing I said I'd never say. <laughs> but you said the words when you were talking to your son, you know, I know things that you don't know. I yeah. can see things. I know what's better for you. And that is the perspective of the Father. Our That's Heavenly right. Father, is, he sees things and he knows things that we don't know. And I'm feeling convicted even as we're saying this because there's just an area in my life where God's calling me to obedience and I'm big on obedience, but I, it doesn't make sense to me. And I want to know the why I feel like if I know the why Lord, I'm all in and he's, you don't need to know the why we just need to know who he is and who we are and he's God and we're not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Peter, it seems to be that this is one of the first time Peter comes in contact with Jesus 
because you know Jesus then calls him to follow him. I believe right after this story. Yeah, he does. So Peter would have heard Jesus' message. So something about his message, you know, and the authority with which he spoke, grabbed Peter's heart. So I'm just, I'm kind of wondering why did Peter didn't even know him? So there, there must have been something about Peter. Yeah, his humility, but also something about Jesus that he realized, oh, here's a guy I should probably listen to, even though I'm the expert. Yeah, yeah. It, and in Luke's gospel, there's just a brief note actually in the story before where I, I believe it might be either Peter's mother or a family member that Jesus heals. And so Peter had to have, through the grapevine, heard about what Jesus could do. And if he saw that healing power for a loved one, you know, maybe maybe Jesus could do something also in this body of water, just in the same way he did with somebody's sick body. And it was a risk for Peter because he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. But he took that risk of faith to obey the Lord, even when it didn't make sense. And you see in the story the outcome that happens after obedience. I just was looking over the story again. And and Jesus, you know, Peter had done the fishing through the night, caught nothing through the night. Jesus, like, borrows his boat <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to teach, right? And there's people on the shore and there's people watching. And I don't know, there's just a lot of elements here of God wanting to, or Jesus, you know, saying, there, he's been speaking to the crowds, and so there's been some faith building going on, mm-hmm. you know, as he's talking about what's true. And I just wonder if he was like, "This isn't, this isn't even for you. This isn't even about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the people, yeah, who came to hear me. They're about to see something go down, you know." Yeah, that's that's such an interesting perspective on it, and I think it's true. I think it's true. Sometimes the blessings God has for us aren't just for us. There's a ripple effect with them, and it's meant to be outpoured. It's meant as an uh, an abundance. It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be poured into other people. So other people could see how God blesses somebody who obeys, even when maybe it doesn't make sense. Mm. And that would increase and encourage their faith as well. And so a lot of times we have to get outside of our own box and realize God wants to do more than just something in my life. This is also going to be for other people as well. Let's talk about, you know, you know, Jesus doesn't ask permission to get into Simon Peter's boat. He asks him to go out. Will you go out? But he doesn't ask him to get into the boat. Yeah, it's it's so funny to think about that. I mean, I I just think about that situation of how that went down. Was Peter just, you know, working on his net and turn and then there's Jesus in his boat? <laughs> like imagine doing that. I, I don't know, like you know, you're down by the yacht club or whatever. You jump on somebody's yacht and they're like, hey, what are you doing on here? It's like, I'm just following Jesus's example here. I'm just getting on the boat. Go out into the deep. The Lord has a catch for you. Let's go for a joyride. You know, kind of a deal. Um, I love that though. But what's what's really interesting is there were two boats. There were two boats and Jesus got in Simon Peter's. And that just causes me in my heart to say, Lord, I want you in my boat. Because you, you could go, he could have gotten to either one of those boats, but Lord, I want you in my boat. I want you with me. And I think for a lot of people, they, we may be content hearing Jesus preach and hearing the words of Jesus and hearing his encouragement and his loving voice, but are we willing to let him get in our boat and obey when he asks us in areas of our life, like Peter had to when he got into the boat? Because mm-hmm. when Jesus steps into your boat, into your life, 
He's going to ask you to do some things that may be scary and hard, but they'll be for your blessing and for the blessing of others. And it was totally the opposite of what Peter had in mind, yes. right? Because Peter's like, nope, I've been fishing all night. I'm done fishing. Yeah. I'm wrapping things up here, you know, and he says, yeah, let's go and put out to deep, you know? So it, it required a, a submission mm-hmm. of all that made sense to him, which we talked about earlier to, to follow the leading of Jesus. Let him take it, not only, you know, invite him into his life, but like, now you get to lead where my boat goes. You get to make those calls. Yeah. I I like the fact that, I do like the fact that Jesus just gets into the boat. And it it makes me think about the truth that, you know, we didn't find Jesus. Mm -hmm. He found us. Yeah, that's good. He took the initiative. And so, like, when I was 18 years old and I knew Jesus, I was in a relationship with Jesus, but my life was a mess. I wasn't living the spirit-led Perry kind of life. And I just, I injured my ankle really bad and parents were at home and friends carried me home and put me on the couch and and my mom prayed for me and and the ankle was just in such pain and the Lord immediately took away the pain in my ankle, but he touched the shame in my heart because I was just at my moral worst. You know, Jesus just decided, I'm going to get into your boat, Perry. I'm going to get into your life. You may not think that, you're worthy of it. And it was the last thing I expected, but I'm so glad that Jesus took the initiative to, to get in because it changed my life forever. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing when you know that at the end of the day, God is going to continue in his loving pursuit yeah. for us, mm-hmm. even if we feel unworthy of his, his privilege to love us. And the thing is he could have, if Peter would have just gone on with his life, if Jesus hadn't stepped into Peter's boats, Peter would have gone home empty handed. But because Jesus stepped in the boat, he went home with this haul of fish. It was completely, you know, I mean, he just got this abundance of blessing from the Lord. And his life would not have been changed. Yeah. He would have continued being a fisherman because that's when Jesus called Peter to follow him. the very end of the story he says this is simon peter now talking to jesus he fell at his feet he fell at jesus's knees and he said go away from me lord mm. i am a sinful man yeah but that's powerful it is let's let's unpack that statement why why was this his response to what just went down yeah that was my question too when i was reading <laughs> the text i just i don't know think about it you you just catch so much fish and another boat has to come in to help you with all the fish you just caught it's a miraculous catch and you've been fishing all night and that happens and that's your first response to it to jesus i feel like i would have said hallelujah praise the lord this right. is amazing i got i got dinner for weeks now or jesus how'd you know how'd you know the fish were gonna be there are you are you aquaman did you tell these fish to come how'd you pull that off jesus you know come be a part of my fishing team we're, yeah, we're right? gonna be breaking records <laughs> but yet his response is not that it's away from me lord i'm a sinful man mm-hmm. and i think peter had the revelation in that moment and it was if jesus could see the fish in the sea surely he must also see the sin in my heart mm-hmm and I, what I love most about this story is it's not just about filling the empty boat. Jesus wanted to fill Peter's empty heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what Peter caught in this moment. He realized, wow, Jesus, you want to do more than just bless me physically. You want to bless the inside. You want to pour your love and your purpose mm-hmm. into my heart. And we see that in the following text when he calls him to follow him, yeah. that he has more for him. And 
there's something about encountering God's presence that does evoke that sense of, I'm sinful. There's, there's also the, I'm loved, but there's also, I'm sinful. And I've shared this story before, but back in 2004, our family went to the big island of Hawaii, and we, we drove up to the top of Mauna Kea. It's an 11,000-foot tall mountain, and we got up there at dusk, and I got out of the truck that we were in, and I just felt this sense of the awesome presence of God. And it wasn't like, whoa, this is awesome. I felt like I wanted to get out of there. Mm. I was afraid. It it was an encounter with the otherness of God. And I realized that God is God and I'm just, I'm not. And I think that somehow Peter, not somehow, but he, he just knew he was in the presence of mm. other, mm. the other. And that's, we need to have those encounters with God to really change us. Yeah. yeah. That recognition of my sinfulness and God's greatness, and yet even still that vast gap, that chasm, God closes the gap out of love and forgiveness and grace and comes to us. Because I, I think that's really neat just in this story is that Peter wasn't the only one fishing. Jesus mm-hmm. was fishing too, and he was fishing and he's still fishing for sinners just like us, people who feel so broken, who feel unworthy, who feel lost and afraid, insecure, tired, worn down. And he's fishing for those kinds of people mm-hmm. who feel empty, mm-hmm. just like Peter's boat. And he says, I want to fill your life. I was having a conversation. I went out for coffee with a friend on Saturday morning, a person that I'm getting to know. And so we've only gotten together a few times, but... You know, he just, he wrestles with doubt. And one of the things he wrestles with is that, is the, the, the whole judgment theme that's throughout the scriptures and the hellfire and brimstone that sometimes uh, can be an emphasis for, you know, preaching the gospel. And he has questions about God because of that fear. Is Does God just want to make me afraid so that I follow him? And we really have to understand God's heart. God's heart is for us. He leans toward us. He pursues us. He kicks the door down. It's his reckless love. And there is his judgment, but that's not his heart. I think we really have to, the story really shows me that what God's heart is, it's a heart that that pursues. It's a heart of love. It's not a, he's not one that wants to, to crush us. That's what I love about this story. Yeah. Yeah. What jumps out at me is that, you know, you had said it earlier, Perry, when you were talking about that it's just a reminder that God is God and I am not. And I feel like that's why we were created to worship. We're going to worship something. And by default, we usually pick ourselves. But God is is worthy of our worship. And when we worship him and we, we look at him for who he is and we see him in his glory and we can't not but see who we are. At the same time, it's like his glory reveals that we are sinful at the core of who we are, but he loves us and he invites us, like you said, the weary, the tired. He says, come to me and you'll find rest. It was several weeks ago, Sunday morning, me and my bride, Teresa, made our way to Engedi Church where we worship, I was having a hard time waking up, and I was honestly carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And as I approached the greeter, he said, 
why so glum? And and I thought, thank you very much, Mr. Greeter. (laughs) No poker face, huh? You're just like, here I am, I'm glum. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And I was glum. And it was because I was just waking up, which that's what I told him. But if I would have been completely truthful, I would have said, I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. (laughs) That's rough. Yet as the music began and I turned my heart and my mind away from trying to carry the weight of the world, the Holy Spirit filled Mm. me with joy. Joy. I came out of that place with my mind and my heart transformed by joy because I had experienced his presence. Isaiah 56, 7 and 8, God says, I will bring my people to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, for all nations. Peter Gregg says in the Lectio 365 devotional, one of the most surprising things in this passage is that the community envisioned by Isaiah is to be marked out by joy, Mm. not heaviness, but happiness, not seriousness, but smile. Houses of prayer, Peter says, are meant to erupt frequently with laughter, celebration, singing, and shouts of delight. Why? Because as Seraphim of Sarov said, the Holy Spirit turns to joy whatever he touches. Mm -hmm. In other words, any person or community truly filled with the Spirit will overflow with the very joy that flows in the heart of the Trinity. And... What grabs me is that this this house house of prayer idea, reality, is that you and me, we're a temple where God dwells. And where God dwells, there is the possibility for joy. And especially for me, when I get together with God's people and worship King Jesus, I have experienced joy so many times. That morning, I came in just so glum And I was just ignited by the joy of God's presence. And that's what I love about being in God's presence with God's people. There is joy. It makes me think of the song, There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's it. Yeah, there is a, I I think that part of the joy that comes is, you, t- you said specifically something, Perry, about like taking our eyes off of our circumstances or on that morning when you were worshiping, you took your eyes off of the circumstances and put them on God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when the joy came in. I think there's something there for us, right? When we're, when we're self-focused, when we're looking at all the, the stuff in front of us, you know, all the stuff that's going on in life, when we're feeling the weight of the world on our shoulders, to look to Jesus brings us a measure of joy because we're reminded in that moment, oh, right, it's not all up to me. It's not all on my shoulders. Yeah, we, we really need to engage too. You know, I, I did intentionally look at those words that we're singing. Those words are true. Mm-hmm. If those words are true, I believe them. And God's word comes alive in those moments when we really feel like we've got nothing to give and we really intentionally look at what what God has really done and who he really is, it, it does have the power to transform us. And I'm not saying you need to manufacture joy. 
and, you know, work it up in you and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, You know, I know from my own real life that there are seasons of grief and sadness and lament and even despair, but these seasons must give way to joy because sadness is not infinite. Sadness is not infinite. Joy is. Sadness is not eternal. Joy is. And so weeping may endure for the night. You may be going through a season of weeping. And, and I'm sorry, and, and, mm. and we mourn with you. Weeping may endure for a night. I'm thinking of Kristen right now. Just now, Kristen comes to mind one of our listeners, but joy, but joy comes in the morning. Imagine with me that today, just today, all day long, you just have nothing to prove to anyone. You don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to prove that, you know, You don't have to convince anyone that you belong where you are. You don't have to meet any kind of quota. You don't have to be smarter than anybody. You don't have to be faster than the guy next to you. You don't have to be funnier than anyone on the planet. You just get to be. That's how you and I get to live every single day because of what Jesus has done for us. That's our right now reality because of the gospel. You literally can't improve upon what Jesus has done for you. And you don't have to hold on to your GPA. This is the thing for me. It's not like I I have a struggle believing that God would love me and invite me in. I just have a tendency to think that I have to maintain a certain standard or I'm going to get kicked out kind of Mm -hmm. thing, right? So I got to keep my GPA. We don't have to worry about that because of the gospel, because the gospel is not about you and me. The gospel is about Jesus. And we get to live in the truth of the gospel every single day. And this is what it is. The truth that Jesus died for our sins while we were still sinners, while we were the least likely to be saved. That's when Jesus came and did it. When we didn't have our act together, when we weren't even trying to please him, we weren't even putting forth effort to make ourselves likable or savable or lovable. He did it anyway. Romans 5, 8 and 10 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we can't earn this salvation that he offers us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God not as a result of works so that no one can boast about it. You cannot earn what Jesus did for you and you don't even deserve it, right? I mean, that's that's covered in the Ephesians 2, 8, verse 2, not of yourselves, not as a result of works. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But you and I absolutely need the saving work of Jesus in our life because without Jesus having done what he did for us, we would be eternally separated from God and that's hell and because of what jesus did we have the opposite of that we have the presence of god with us right now and for all eternity yeah and this is something that needs to drop from my head to my heart i need the penny to drop for me to really grab hold of this truth that i'm saved you know at my worst jesus loved me and that I can never earn it, and that I can never deserve it. And there are things that, that compete for that in my life. There are functional lords and saviors 
that I look to for meaning, purpose, worth, identity, fulfillment. I believe Jesus is my Savior with my head, but then there are these functional lords and saviors that I need to dethrone every single day. Mm -hmm. Reading the book Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller, and he talks about a guy who a guy who was very, very promiscuous, and it was all about power. He wanted to conquer. Mm -hmm. So he had this need to be, to be powerful. That was his idol. I want to be powerful, and being powerful gives me meaning, purpose, identity, and fulfillment. And then he repented of his sins, became a believer, got into ministry. But he was still this power-hungry guy, mm. this very controlling guy. Yeah. See, he had made he had made the step and trusted Jesus, but his functional Lord and Savior was still this desire for power mm. and needed and this is what this is what the Lord is needing to do in our lives is is push the gospel deep down into our hearts so that the true savior, Jesus, is really our true savior. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. I mean what I'm hearing you say is that we all need saving and we know it. And so we looked and we all need identity and we all need purpose. And so we look to other things to find our identity and our purpose when, and then you've always got to keep your GPA. You've always got to, you know, do more, do more. Madonna talks about this. Actually, Timothy Keller wrote this book, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And in there, he quotes Madonna as having said, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be amazing. But every time I do something amazing, instead of feeling satisfaction from that, it only raises the bar higher because the next thing that I do needs to be even better than the last thing that I did. And that's that. It's like an addiction, a yeah. power addiction, a, a hunger, an addiction for more, 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 more. See, that's, that's the power person. That's the achiever person. That's the achiever person. And that mm -hmm. I can identify with that. And I don't believe Madonna is a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus and I can still have that mm -hmm. motivation right. in my heart. Yeah. So we need to be, you and I, those who are not saved, yes. And those who are saved, yes. Need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to preach ourselves the gospel on the daily, because when we get it, when we really get it, then we we realize we are free. We don't. You don't have to prove your worth today. You don't have to convince anyone that you belong today. You don't have to meet a quota. You don't have to be smarter or faster, faster or funnier. And I can say there is hope, because I God is uprooting the idols in my heart, and He's not going to kick you out of His family for having idols in your heart. But just let him uproot them. And God is doing it in me. So I just want to share the hope that he He does it. He does yeah. it. He will do it. He will finish the good work he's begun in your life. And the paradox of, of really living the gospel, really understanding it, and then just kind of launching from that place every day is that the gospel both humbles me and gives me confidence to move forward at the same time. Timothy Keller, speaking of Timothy Keller, has got this, this quote on the gospel that I love. I'll share it with you here. The gospel is that I am so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, yet so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. You and I get to live from that place today. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. 
To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 